What's up, everybody? Joey Vitale here, joined with my amazing guest expert today, Jordan Gardner. Let me tell everyone why I'm so excited for this conversation, because the Business Growth Advantage is all about business growth. A lot of lawyers follow us, so law firm growth and team building. And we've been talking about team building in a lot of different contexts recently, specifically with just what I found to be a secret weapon of leveraging the amazing skill sets of overseas virtual assistants. But today we're going to be talking about team building in a way that you might not have thought about before. So Jordan has, I'm really excited to dive into your story of why you did this in the first place, Jordan, but Jordan is helping lawyers connect with law students to make it easier for you to bring on law student interns or whatever role you want to give them as you're helping and also help lawyers benefit from working with law students. So Jordan, before we get into what Law Student Connect is and what it's like now, what the future looks like. Walk us through the story of how this went from an idea to, I mean, it's a pretty impressive platform that you have right now. I appreciate that. And it's, yeah, it's been a long road to hoe so far, but I'll try and keep the story as brief as possible. But I graduated 2013 from UNLV Law. I got started immediately with a small firm in a very uh, eat what you kill sort of environment, right? With compensation structure that, that, that forced that behavior, got to go out and eat what you kill. And that can be very hard. It's very, well, very challenging as a new lawyer without a book of business, that kind yes. of environment takes a bit of time to grow, right? To any sort of livable wage. And so the challenge, the problem that I continually faced was, Hey, you work on these cases. And if you are working with a senior partner on a case and you're in the situation where you're sitting across the desk, I always tell this story, sitting across the desk with that partner and you're just watching them strike off your time. And you're thinking, that's my paycheck. That is directly my paycheck. Yeah. Because it, the the model I was under was not 50% of what you bill. It was 50% of what you collect. So anytime you're marking that client's bill down because the client doesn't want to pay for certain things, that's your paycheck. That's your food. Mm. That's supporting your family, right? So that got me headed down this path of thinking there's got to be a way that I can hedge my risk here on some of these tasks that clients don't want to pay for. And I know we've had been, the industry has been having this conversation about flat fee billing for like decades, yeah. but like in 2013, I was thinking we're going to be, a, we're really close to this. <laughs> like the industry is going to be there. Yeah. Uh, obviously we're still having that conversation always, but I saw the writing on the wall thinking it was going that direction more so than it has. And mm -hmm. thought if I'm going to, you don't, you can't afford to have these risks of getting stuck in endless loops of research in a flat fee environment. Right. Yeah. It's a black hole of time and money and resources. Well, Jordan, uh, I don't know about your experience, but just to chime in real quick on that, like I, I had a law firm that didn't do that in that kind of way, but I can relate to the stress and weight of seeing what gets marked off in terms yeah. of billable time 
And as a new lawyer, seeing that being like, how can I do better and better next time? But there's also a lot of pressure in wanting the firm to be profitable, wanting the clients to be happy. And for me, that turned into a pretty downward spiral of I got more into my head, I got more perfectionist. And for a while, my work quality went down because I was so worried about things. And as much as I wanted to keep costs down, I ended up spending even more time double checking, triple checking everything. And so that type of pressure, I can just relate to not feeling good and not being a helpful, like mental foundation that you're laying as a new law firm owner or lawyer. And I think probably a little bit of competing pressures, right? Because there's the pressure to build more hours, right? But yes, but to do that effectively, you probably got to build or spend less time doing ineffective work, right? Right. So it's right. It's kind of competing pressures, competing incentives that, yeah, it doesn't put you in a very healthy mental space. <laughs> so I got thinking, how can I hedge my bets here? How can I hedge my risk? And thinking, hey, back at UNLV, I probably know a dozen students that would love to get sort of this hands-on research experience, hands-on that I can say, hey, I'll pay you a flat fee to get this research done for me. And I'd like to say that I started small and just started with a handful of students, but I didn't. That's not how I work. I started creating this vision and, and this is way back in 2014. And I did, I ended up putting it on the shelf this whole idea on the shelf for a while because I took an in-house counsel job and that kind of satisfied my itch to be entrepreneurial, get back into the business world. And that job moved me up here to Idaho and I met my current business partner and I had pitched the, he's an attorney as well. I pitched the idea to him. He's like, this is great. Let's do it. And so he jumped on, he was excited. And so in 2019, we both kind of jumped ship from what we were doing and dove in head first. And have since we've learned a lot over the, <laughs> over the last several years. I mean, this is a definitely an education and sometimes an expensive education. There are things I would sure. go back and do different, but sure. I think we've come a long ways with where we're at. We're helping a lot of people. We're helping a lot of students, but definitely it's been a, it's been a long row so far. Yeah. Can you tell us about some of those lessons learned, like both on making it a win for the law student side and making it a win for the firms? Yeah. So I think it's, they're probably lessons that most entrepreneurs go through, right? They're lessons that are transferable, not just from this legal tech side, but probably in most ventures start small, fire bullets before cannonballs. That's mm. my biggest, uh, probably less. Oh, I love that. Uh, yeah. It's, and that's not mine. I think that's a good to great. <laughs> okay. Quote. I can't remember that. Don't do uh, Yeah. That's not mine, but you know, I probably could have started this in a different way, an email list, right? Almost. Sure. I'm a glorified email list. Of, I mean, I'm a very high tech email list is what it is. Any app is or at marketplace like this, right? You think Fiverr, Upwork, it's a glorified email list. And you could have probably, I could have probably got started a lot simpler, right? And sooner, right? We spend a year and a half trying to get it right and over-engineering. And that's kind of my perfectionism attorney side taking over. And I I think getting something out sooner in a less polished stage and start working out the kinks that way is a better approach to any business, right? Start with your MVP, right? And find out then where your clients want to take it. Because where we thought we were starting, where we, when we started, where we thought we were going to be is not where we are. (laughs) It can be so hard, even if you're kind of familiar with those topics of the MVP and to just get started first, do it messy and then perfect later. 
it can be really hard to follow that advice when, you know, this new shiny thing is your baby and you want to do it right. And you have these ideas for what you want it to be. But I think that's such, I mean, it's such a solid takeaway. And it's, I think, a reminder for every business owner, especially if you're working on something new right now. Jordan, I meant to ask you this earlier, but we can get into it now. Walk us through what the process looks like for the law firm owner perspective of if we're looking for a great law student, what do we do? How do we sign up? What does the process look like? Yeah. So it's very easy. I was working with an attorney yesterday out of Oregon and I told him, look, we can get you signed up right now and your first project posted in less than 15 minutes. I'm very confident that you can make that happen. That's awesome. Right. Because I don't need a lot of information from you as an attorney. And this is again, (laughs) sort of some of the things that you, that I've over-engineered into this. There is an online profile, right? That for every student, every attorney, and it looks a lot like any other online profile, like LinkedIn, it's got your digital resume right there, headshot, all your experience. Most attorneys don't fill that out, right? I've taken it to a bare minimum, what I need from you. I would love to get a headshot. Yes. I need your name. I need your office location. And I need your bar number from a state that I can go back and verify that you are an active Ah, attorney in good standing, right? Sure. And that's it. After I get that notification, I log in, I check current status with your state bar and you're good to go. If assuming you're still active in that state, I approve that profile and you're ready to set up a project. And then as far as setting up a project, really it's a short form, not a ton of information. We ask, give a brief description of the project, how much compensation you're offering for the project, how many, what's the expected timeframe and or time commitment and then deadline. And then a few details about, okay, well, what practice area is this? And that's pretty key. And what type of deliverable are you looking for? Mm -hmm. And I say that's key because when that project posts, let's say it's a, it's an intellectual property project. As soon as that project posts, that notification goes out to all of our students and and in particular, those students that are interested in intellectual property, the practice area are going to be notified and said, Hey, Joey just posted this project. I think you're in, you might be interested based on your practice areas. Nice. Log in and sign up. And so we're starting to see that happen to where, Hey, we're getting, I mean, if it's a, if it's a popular practice area, you'll get several applicants within the first 30 minutes of the project. That's incredible. And then the students are like bidding on the projects then? No. So that was this, it's a different approach than, than Fiverr or Upwork, right? Because I'm, I have built this for solo and small attorney Mm. as small firm lawyers. Right. And so the compensation is flat fee. You set the compensation and that's all you're ever going to pay. And that's awesome. Okay. That's important because that's one of the lessons that I was telling this attorney yesterday is that's one of the lessons that I'm trying to teach to our law students is the risk is on you, not the firm owner. This is the value that you're passing on to the attorney. But if you get lost in an endless loop of research, that risk is on you. And we're trying to teach, there's a point at when you've got to know, or you've got to learn that there's a point that you've got to stop researching and stop, start writing. Right. Yeah. Yes. I think that's one of the biggest lessons that you've got to learn as a first year attorney as well. Right. Is that, Hey, it's all downhill (laughs) if you keep going. Okay. So yeah, let's continue following through this on the law firm owner perspective. You put the project up that sends an announcement out to potentially interested law students, then what's the next thing that the law firm owner sees? Yeah. Hopefully in the next 30 seconds, no, (laughs) in the next (laughs) half hour, you start to get everything's done through email notifications right now. So you'll get an email notification every time a student applies 
It says, hey, Jane Doe has applied for your project. Go check out their profile and see if that's a student you want to work with. So nice. Okay. All the applicants start to. So they're compile. applying then for these. Yeah. Projects. So they, yeah, I don't match them. They apply and you get to choose as the attorney, get to choose the student that you want to work with. Okay. Uh, and in terms of choosing who that student is, is it typical for lawyers to interview them or just make a decision based on what they see on the platform? Hopefully the latter. Okay. I do have some attorneys that want to have more involvement in that process. They ask for transcripts. They ask for whatever it is, a letter of interest. Okay. Uh, that's not how I've designed it. What I've designed it to be is quick and dirty. Just to get the work yeah. done. And so what you can see when they apply, if you go into their profile, you'll be able to see, you'll see their online resume, but also testimonials from other attorneys on previous Oh, projects. that's genius. Because I was thinking as you were talking, like, I mean, these are law students. We aren't necessarily yeah. looking for like a high level of experience right. around this. And I'm glad to hear you say it's usually not the interviews because based on my experience with bringing on team at a more administrative level or even law students, an interview can be overkill easily. Yeah. And so I love that you try and make the decision process as high, as easy as possible for the lawyers to move forward with next. Phase. Yeah. So I'm kind of a data freak. <laughs> so we try and give as much data as possible, right? Yeah. So you'll be able to see on each student, how many projects they've completed. What's the average score on their research, writing, communication, and Oh, I can't even think of the fourth one on my, the top of my head. And then a general score. Okay. And we get that information every time a project is completed. The attorney is prompted on the payment screen, basically give a short feedback survey. And on those four or five different elements, as well as the op option to leave a testimonial So mm. on that specific project. So I love it when that happens. It doesn't always happen. So there's a lot of just scores without the testimonial. Yeah. Uh, but when it does, man, it's their gold, right? The testimonials are, because that's a way for the students to start harnessing the social capital that, from working with these attorneys in a way that you just, I mean, you don't get the same from like a reference letter and you don't always get a reference letter from every attorney you work with. Right. This is a quick way to get, think of like a Google review for this particular yeah. niche, right? So that's how I hope attorneys, that's the design. Attorneys can go in, they can look at profiles, they can see, has this student done any projects related to what I'm asking? Have that, what do other attorneys think of their work? And then get an idea of their background, right? Yeah. And just be able to make the decision and move forward. I think it's, I love the way that you set this up because I think it really sets the stage for just expectations being met moving forward because if this was a what ideally is a real like internship type of task then that should be more of just them gaining experience shadowing someone versus doing a project that the firm is paying you for can you speak to any examples of really good fits of a type of project because i would imagine there are some lawyers who might be trying to get a student to work on a project that would be really hard to deliver on just because the nuance of what's going on, it potentially needing a higher level of experience than any law student could provide. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. Okay. okay. It's because certainly there are typical projects and 
your research projects, I mean, that's what students, law students are designed to do, right? That's what they've been trained to do. So research projects. Of, okay. Definitely. There shouldn't be an attorney. I don't think there should be a solo attorney, small firm attorney doing any sort of research because a law student will do it for you. I love I mean, that. I love most that. Most will get, you should, you should frankly, well, I won't say that. I, those are bread and butter for sure. Blog posts are very popular because I, so you think about your very SEO competitive practice areas, which I would say personal injury, obviously, because that's the most in-demand SEO space. IP, very IP, family law, criminal law, estate planning. These are all very SEO competitive areas. Yes, right. right. Uh, no one wants to write a blog article. Maybe I want to write art blog articles. I never. Yeah, you and I are the time. weirdos. Yeah, I want to, but I don't find the time. It's like it yeah. falls down the list, right? It's a great way for a student to start exploring a practice area, right? Yeah. You think about estate planning or intellectual property. There's the types of projects and we can get into that. Let's look at estate planning. Estate planning is so transactional, is so software driven that inserting a student into that process for a one-time project doesn't make a lot of sense, right? So how does a student then who wants to gain experience or start learning about estate planning, dive into that practice area and start exploring if this is a niche that they want to follow? Well, a blog article is a great way to start looking at uh, let's look at the, the substantive area a little bit and start to write about it. And on top of that, they're learning how to write towards a client, which there's yeah. not another opportunity during law school to do that, right? When do yeah. you ever learn to write to the client? You okay. Don't. I love this topic of blogs and I apologize ahead of time if this might be a bad question to ask, but I'm curious, do you find it's most effective for attorneys to have done the work already of figuring out what a good blog post means for their firm to have like their process ready so that it's easy for the intern to give them what they want? Or have you found that maybe you or Law Student Connect have a better understanding of what blog writing should be even than attorneys and you can train up the law students to say, here's the way that we actually recommend that you write and think about blog writing for these attorneys who might not know how to do it themselves or what works best SEO wise? No. And I don't okay. want to say that I'm an SEO company, right? Yeah. But I do have a thought. I have a pitch that I make. Okay. I, my pitch is have your first project be that. Have the student tell the student, hey, I want to add a blog. That's so good. I need 25 ideas, right? Yeah. For the next, I want to post twice a month, right? Or whatever it is. So give me the 25 ideas and then curate that list yourself or give me 50 ideas and then you curate it once they come back with the result. So right? it's, it Let goes back to research that. again. I love this idea of when, like when in doubt of what to make a project around, just go back to research. Yeah. Let them do the research to, yeah. to ask interesting questions about or current events, right? Oh, that, that's that you're not really good. Yeah. So I don't want to say that that's a good or bad approach from an SEO perspective because I'm not an SEO expert, but I think all the attorneys that we work with all have such different styles when it comes to blog writing in particular, right? Some sure. want to be very, very well researched and have it more like an article. And I always try and say, dumb that down. Google's not going to appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> right? right? That's the trick. I love the opportunity to give that to a student and say, let's put your leading legal writing to the test and let's see if you can 
turn this into a sixth to eighth grade reading level, right? Oh my and, gosh, yes. And get it there. Okay. That's going to be the challenge. But yeah. now I've headed down this, your original question is like, what makes good projects or what's out of the realm yeah. of the experience level of a student. But I want to say, man, early on, we had some projects that were posted that made me nervous. Two appellate briefs came through. And I love these examples because yeah. this is so interesting because my, I was in the position where I'm like, oh man, these are, this is a big deal, right? These are projects where I'm trying to judge whether they're outside the scope of what these law students are going to be able to handle. And we just went for it. We just, I allowed the projects to come through and there were two different attorneys, two different appellate briefs, and both of the students just crushed them. It was a learning experience for me because I don't know the capabilities of every student. I don't know the capabilities or the expectations of every attorney. Best then just to let the market decide what's going to be the limit here. But these students, as I, the lesson here was, hey, you know what? That's what law school is, teaching you to be an appellate attorney, even though what less than 5% of us are ever going to practice appellate work. That's what law school trains you to be. And so students think through that 2L, 3L is probably better situated to do that appellate brief than the attorney who spends 98% of their time at the district court level, right? Yeah. At the trial court level. So they crushed the projects. The attorneys were happy. They met, I mean, everything went awesome, but that's probably been the furthest reach. Okay. So you haven't really found a limit yet to like, maybe, oh, that's so good. Now, and I'm just kind of drawing the liner on this stuff because some people might be thinking, oh, it would be great to bring on a law student to help with calls if we could figure out, if we could send stuff to them. Number one, is something like that possible? But a related question there is Law Student Connect set up for easy recurring projects to be possible? Recurring projects with the same students? Or... Yeah. Yeah. Like going back to the blog post, we yeah. could figure out some structure will instead of putting something out every time, we know that we'll just pay you each time, like maybe once a month for a blog post. Yeah. Yes and no. Okay. So yes, if you're willing to continually post those on a project basis. No, if you want to pay hourly, right? Okay. Because I haven't set it up by design. I've not set it up to pay to be hourly. I want the risk to be where it's at on the students. And that's, I think that's that's great. Building. Yeah. But this is the exact conversation that I was having with the attorney yesterday. How do we, how do I use them? I've got, I'm a solo attorney. I've got leads coming in that are just piling up, piling up, piling up. And how do I insert a student or can, is there a way to insert a student into that process to handle that follow-up that needs to happen? So let's make a distinction. These are not going to be calls coming in. So So these would be, I think, from a referral source, this... I can't remember for sure which, what type of, but think of like, oh, what are the popular ones? Lawyers? Is it lawyers? I can't remember. But a referral service sending basically just a, a super short intake sheet that needs to be followed up with, right? Okay. So we talked through that. I said, bundle these up. Let's bundle up. And he ended up posting this project. Oh, that's a cool up. way to do it. Yeah. yeah. Bundle up 15 of them. That's what he did. Set a fixed fee give the instructions as to what needs to happen and what documents you need filled out or whatever. And then just turn the student loose to go and get it done, right? Get the follow-up and don't come back until you've got it done. Right. Yeah. And so it's no longer the attorney who is making phone call after phone call, just trying to make the connection. You've now have a student that's doing that. And the student, so I think is it's a cool opportunity as well, because 
when else does a student get an opportunity to have direct client contact, right? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Whether it's phone calls or emails back and forth with a potential client to qualify those leads. Man, so that's, that's an example. Really I think that the other pitch I was trying to make for an immigration firm doing the same thing is in these practice areas where you've just got a lot of documentation or estate, this could be an estate planning thing as well. A lot of documentation that needs to happen up front. And the hard part is just learning how to not waste time chasing that documentation, bundle it up, put a flat fee on it and have a student do 15 at a time, 10 at a time, whatever it is. And the benefit here is that sure, you could go out and hire someone to do this or let's keep it as project-based and I'll have five students at the same time, each handling five or yeah. six themselves, right? And you've got an army of law students. Yeah, oh, that's, you, that's so great. That's so great. Now, is there anything that you, I'm hoping that there are light bulbs going out, especially in our like law firm owner community of listeners and followers. Is there anything that you would recommend from like an economic or a moral standpoint around pricing? I put the recommendation a few times throughout the process. A few pop-ups will come up and say, here's how we, because that's probably the most common question. What do I pay them? Yeah. Our students are from all over the U.S., right? So what a, a law student in New York expects is so much different than what a law student in Kansas expects. So it's all over the board. I say my recommendation is keep that between and so this is maybe this is more from a moral economic standpoint, but keep that between $22, $27 an hour. And you're right in the middle. You're right at the average. Oh, nice. And okay. That's my recommendation. Do we see that? Do we see it go lower than that? Certainly. That doesn't make sense to, if we are talking about blog articles, that's pretty steep for a blog writer, right? Uh, sure. Well, compared to other options, right? If I can outsource a blog article overseas for much cheaper than that, well, that doesn't make much sense to use a law student if I have to pay that much. So some of our blog posts and things like that get posted for quite a bit lower. And it always surprises me that they get picked up, right? But they mm -hmm. do. The projects get picked up. And when I say I take a very free market approach, even <laughs> the times that I try and play that overseer come back and surprise me because in the end, there's a student somewhere that wants to do the work. And mm -hmm. there's multiple forms of compensation exchanging hands here. One, certainly yeah. the monetary compensation, but two, that student's trying to learn something, right? That student's trying to get, do great work and get the social capital that comes with it, right? Yeah. And I think that social capital piece can be more valuable than the monetary component. Right. For sure, when and it comes time to try to find a job. I was just going to ask, when it comes to them thinking about finding the next job, in the context of them maybe working on their resume to show to some other law firm, is there something that you're seeing the students do really well that communicates what they've done on Law Student Connect in a way that law firm owners can understand, even if they might not be familiar with the platform? It needs to be better. Okay. Uh, the thought process when we designed it was, okay, let's put this out there and allow a student to share their profile or share mm. recent reviews, some of the testimonials. We haven't quite got the bugs. Do the reviews show up out. on their profile? Yes. Okay, so, so they, they could can, even they just say, go to this link to see yeah. my, Here's my however profile. many reviews. Yeah. yeah. Great, Absolutely. oh, that's awesome. So that's kind of where we've designed it to go. Uh, okay. But whether or not that's happening as much, I don't think yet. 
right now the feedback from law students has been, this has been a great experience or gave me a great experience and great talking points in my interviews. Yeah. As well as writing samples. You think this is just a process to, if a firm wants to see an unadulterated, (laughs) meaning not edited by a law school writing center, I can't remember what those are called, but not overly edited by the student or overly edited by mentors at the school. Here's my writing samples, assuming that the attorney has given approval to let them use that as a writing sample. But here's an actual practice document, right? Here's a memo, here's a brief, here's a motion that I wrote for whatever Mm. attorney to show that, hey, I can do this. I've done this. So good. Again, you guys, like I am so behind everything that Jordan is doing with all of this. It's so cool. It's so needed. And I don't think that Jordan is alone in having a passion and heart for being a lawyer looking back to the law student community and say, what can I be doing to help prepare them better to be a lawyer without going through maybe as many of the growing pains to set them up for success more. I think it's amazing. When you look to the next year and beyond, are there any changes that you're really excited about or updates to come? Or is it really just more of continuing to build on what you've got right now? I'm just curious. No, it's a great question. Right now, we, like I said, we over-engineered the platform. So mm. we've walked that back. Yeah. So I'm, what do I want to see in the next year? I want to see us get to a critical mass of both students and attorneys that we can reopen some of these features uh, mm. that okay. we've, we've already built. We already have. They're just behind a closed curtain right now. Yeah. Uh, we've got a great job board because I think, and the, and the hiring process, if you are in the position where you're like, I'm looking for my next associate in the next six months or a year or your future thinking right towards what your firm's going to do. What a great way to be able to start testing out students and put them through the trial by fire before you make that hiring decision, right? Let's really find someone that you like to work with, that you like their work ethic. And then I always, I always call it a test drive, test drive them through the platform and see how you work together. So I'm excited for that to reopen that. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's really cool. That's really we cool. We haven't about. launched, we didn't launch in sort of geographical areas, right? So we went wide. We went all through the United States on day one. And mm. that's, I, that's great from a project perspective. But from a hiring perspective, unless you're hiring remote employees, that makes it a bit challenging, right? If sure. I've got 300 law students on here, they could be pretty dispersed throughout the United States to where if you've put up a a job opening in Houston, Texas, well, I might only have a handful of students there. So it doesn't really make sense for you to use us as a job posting platform yet. Gotcha. That makes sense. Increasing that to user base will allow us to launch that and deliver a much better, a much better hiring experience than posting job on Indeed and getting either over or very underqualified candidates in your inbox that is just overwhelming. Yeah. Well, and one thing that is at least true for me, other law firm owners might relate, maybe not, but as I've been thinking about what I can do to get law students more involved with the firm, I've had a lot of thoughts and ideas about going to certain law schools, building up name recognition there. And all of that is well and good, but 
I've been so busy that I haven't really been able to take action on any of that stuff. And the fact that you've, you're making this thing that I think so many attorneys want to do, which is to get more law students, yes, to have them help them, but also be a part of what you're doing and helping law students in general. And by taking all of that, those heavy steps around contacting potentially law schools, getting involved, finding ways to get the word out to but your positions to those law schools. I mean, you're just, you're making what a lot of people want to do yeah, way easier, which is great. Yeah. That's the goal. That's the pitch is that this is the easiest way to work with law students yeah. to get more done. And as to that mentoring piece, maybe you are, you've got a passion for helping students at your alma mater. I've got a pretty one-on-one -on -one relationship with all the attorneys using the platform. I like to have that still early on to make sure I'm delivering what they want. Right. Yeah. But in those situations where an attorney says, Hey, you know what? I graduated from Suffolk. I'd like to get some Suffolk students. Great. I've got a handful, but I've also got a very strong relationship with the students who are participating. So I reach out to those students and say, Hey, this attorney would like to work with a handful of Suffolk students. Can you share this with your friends? Right. I've got that network oh, to, that's to great. build you that team. It's no, it's, it's easy to yeah. get that. And as to that mentoring element, I think that all of us feel to some form of desire to give back to the profession and maybe not give back, but change the profession in a little way in yeah. a little bit, to like, to make it a better experience than what we all faced. We've built in this team functionality into the platform as well to where, and I don't think I mentioned this yet, to where each attorney can have a team of five law students that they can work with ideally on a recurring basis, right? And so that becomes a very much more involved way to work with the attorneys. And what that opens up, it opens up the opportunity to have like your team library. Maybe there's a certain way, maybe you've got your format for a demand letter, your format for a motion, or you're just uh, your pleading paper you've saved there, or just your instructions. Like, this is how I like to do X, Y, and Z. Here they are. You can access, you've joined my team, you can access this library. And then anytime that you post a project, those five students are automatically notified and that's the fastest. Oh, right? that's you great. Yeah. And you start curating these relationships with these select law students. Those projects are applied for near instantly because there's an expectation between you and the student that, hey, we're yeah. working together. Oh, that's Even such a great relationship. Okay. That's awesome. That's really great. Man, Jordan. Well, I feel like I could talk to you for like another hour about this, but we do need to wrap up. I'm going to make sure that I put Law Student Connect, their website in the comments. I also want to make sure that I'm sharing Jordan's LinkedIn profile for everybody who is wanting to follow him because, man, Jordan, the way that you use LinkedIn is so next level. And even if people connect with you just to follow you and see what you're doing, you guys, it is, I mean, every business owner should be paying attention to the way that Jordan uses LinkedIn. I appreciate that. It's, it's been a journey. Amazing. And maybe we can bring you back on and you can talk about what you've learned. I think you said the primary storyteller is your main role that you're thinking of yourself when you're on LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd love it. I'd love to come back and talk through LinkedIn because I think it's an underutilized tool in the legal market. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, Jordan, thank you so much for coming on. You guys, this has been an amazing episode of the Business Growth Advantage. You can circle back with us every Thursday live or go to the businessgrowthadvantage.com podcast.com website to check on the podcast. Jordan, thank you again for being here, man. 
that'll do it for this week, everybody. See you next week. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. All right, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Business Growth Advantage with me, Joey C. Vitale. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see y'all next week. Learn